Father, I just thank you, Lord, for today. Lord, I thank you that we can freely come and worship you, Lord. Lord, I pray for the events of Wednesday night. I pray for the families that are suffering loss on both sides. Lord, I pray that you will comfort them that on, the only way you can, Lord. And for those that don't know you, Lord, I pray that as they speak to people, Lord, I pray that they are speaking to people that know you and that can share you with them. Lord, be with us this morning. Help us as we try, just try to make sense of this, Lord. Help us to be the helpers in this situation for those that are hurting. And we pray this in your name. I want to start out this morning with a question. Where is God? A couple had two little boys, ages 8 and 10, who were excessively mischievous. The two were always getting into trouble, and their parents could be confident that if any mischief occurred in their town, their two young, their two young sons were involved in some capacity. The parents were at their wit's end as to what to do about their son's behavior. The parents had heard that a clergyman in town had been successful in disciplining children in the past, so they contacted him. And he agreed to give it his best shot. He asked to see the boys individually, so the eight-year-old was sent to meet with him first. The clergyman sat the boy down and asked him sternly, Where is God? The boy made no response. So the clergyman repeated uh, with his raised, uh, with a sterner voice, where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt. So the clergyman raised his voice and shook his finger. Where is God? At that, the boy bolted from the room, ran directly home, and slammed himself in his closet. His older brother followed him into the closet and said, what happened? The younger brother replied, we are in big trouble this time. God's missing, and they think we did it. <laughs> At camp, kids coming from hurting homes, when we are telling them that Jesus loves you, ask, where is God? My wife, when she was six years old and her dad died, God, why did you take my dad? I don't want nothing to do with you. You're a loving God. <clears throat> Wednesday night, people are asking, where is God? These last couple days, everybody is asking, where is God? At camp, we introduce a lot of children to God. Some for the first time. And for others, it's just a reminder, a reassurance, because they only come to church that one week a year. Each time we have a chance to tell children where God is, it always comes back to the cross and John 3.16. The cross. When Jesus hung on the cross in the sin of the whole world, was upon his shoulders, people were asking, where is your God now? If you are who you say you are, come down. He didn't. He stayed on that cross for you. He stayed on that cross for me. 
And I believe as we look into this verse, we can answer this very question. Where is God? For God. John 3.16 begins as the Bible begins with the existence of God being taken for granted. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created. John 3.16, for God. Psalm 41, uh, 14, verse 1 says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. We're still arguing on creation. The whole Bible stands on a belief in God. If you don't believe in the Bible, you don't believe in God. You can't. You can't have one without the other. The Bible says that this God so loved. The word love occurs 56 times in the book of John. The dictionary says love is to have a feeling, an affection, or regard for. To be strongly attached to or attracted towards. To hold dear. There's also synonyms like affection, charity, devotion, fondness, liking, passion. All these definitions are weak when defined the word love. Because it cannot be defined into words. The difficulty becomes greater when you add the word so. God so loved the world. So loved surpasses all illustrations. But many have tried to apply it to the love of a mother for her child. The following ad appeared in a Boston newspaper years ago. To my boy who left home Monday night, September 15th. My darling boy, if you, see, if you should see this, which I pray our Heavenly Father you may, please let your distressed mother know where you are. Mother. The notice was signed, one word, mother. That was all. No name, nothing to let the world know who she was. Just the cry of a mother seeking her lost boy. Not a word about whose fault it was, no blame, no reproach. Just reaching out of a mother's love, seeking to bring her son back. But a mother's love falls short of the love of God. The mind of man will never grasp the love of God. All we can say is the love of God is uncaused, uninfluenced, spontaneous, and sovereign. Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, has the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God loves you because he loves you. Because he created you. Jeremiah 31.3 The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God's love is everlasting. It's unending. 
There is no beginning to it. God has no beginning, so his love for us has no beginning. All earthly love had a beginning. But God's love reaches way back to before the world was born. And it goes as far forward to when all the mountains will be dust. God's love is infinite, illimitable, unbounded. A sinner may go to hell unsaved, but he cannot go to hell unloved. The world. The word world is found 77 times in John. And this is talking about the matter, the world, not the people, uh, not the buildings, not the ground. It's talking about us, the world. The greatest love of man or woman is a love of self. Greed, selfishness. Think about how narrow that is. Walter Wilson said, no one in all the world could possibly love everyone in the world. In fact, most people find it difficult to love their relatives. I've gone to many family Christmas parties, my side, not Sarah's, where it usually ends up in a fight. Somebody is fighting. Guaranteed. You get together one time a year, and somebody fights. God doesn't do that to us. God found it possible with his great heart of love to love every individual. And he loves us despite our faults. That he gave. See, the world knows a little about giving, but God's giving cost something. Most of the giving we know about is giving that really has no element of sacrifice. I will give you five bucks. I'll give you a lift to work. I'll let you borrow my car. God did not give the cattle on a thousand hills or the silver and gold. He gave his son. He gave means suffering. We think a lot about the suffering of the Son on the cross, but have you ever thought about the suffering of the Father? As He stands by and He watches the Jewish people, the Roman Empire, stone Him, whip Him, put Him on a cross, and at any minute God could have said no. I am not giving you my son. But he did it. He actually did the opposite. When the sin of the world was on his shoulders, God turned his back on his son. And then he died. His only begotten son. This is a word of relationship. David was a son to King Saul by association in 1 Samuel 26, uh, verse 21, uh, 26. Uh, then Saul said, I have sinned, return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. 
Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Behold, the king's spear, and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord render to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness, for the Lord delivered thee into my hand today. But I would not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. And behold, as thy life was much set by his, this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou my son David, thou shalt both do great things and shalt still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. God the Father is called Father not because of the relationship to his creatures, but because of the relationship to his son. A child was once trying to quote John 3.16, and he said, for his only forgotten son, instead of begotten. But think about that. How true is that? How many of us have forgotten Jesus and what he has done for us? That whosoever, whosoever means all. All means all, and that's all all means. All have sinned, and all need a Savior. Romans 5, 12 through 15. Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned over the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of, of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of, by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. It means any who believe and who will believe. It means you, it means me, now, I'm glad that it did not put someone's name in there. Instead of where it says that whosoever, if it said that Jeremy. One, it just means, you know, anybody by the name of Jeremy could be saved. But it could mean any Jeremy at that point. When I was 12 years old, there was a Jeremy that lived the next town over. And me and him took the same medicine. My mom was at the pharmacy. She accidentally got his, and they accidentally got mine. If a name had been put in this verse, I would have wondered for whom was this promise intended. Whosoever means for anyone that believes. Believeth. I was watching this sermon by uh, Alistair Beggs, thinking about the thief on the cross. And this is what he said. He goes, I can't wait to find that fellow one day, talking about the thief on the cross, I can't wait to find him in heaven and ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were cussing the guy out with your friend, You've never been to Bible study. You never got baptized. You didn't know a thing about church membership. 
And yet you made it. You made it to heaven. How did you make it? The head angel. Looks at the thief on the cross. What are you doing here? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I don't know how I got here. I'm going to get the supervisor angel. They're going to come help. We're going to figure this out. How did you get here? Are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? Never heard of that in my life. What about the doctrine of Scripture? The thief says, nope, I've never heard that either. The angel says, asks, what basis are you here? Why are you here? To the thief on the cross. The thief answered, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Jesus told him, I will see you in paradise. He didn't make him get off the cross. He didn't make him join a church. The man knew nothing. But he knew Jesus. And he knew Jesus at the last hours of his life. It did not matter about what his life was like over here for how, you know, however old he was. What matters were those seconds before he died when he knew who Jesus was. We must believe in the Lord Jesus and what he did for our sins. We must believe that we are sinners and that Jesus' shed blood, death, and resurrection is what allows us to be with God. Because the man on the middle cross said, I could come. In him, Acts 4.12 and 1 John 5.12 show us that salvation is in a person and that person is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 1 John 5.12, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Salvation is not found in believing in the preacher, the church, a good Christian, the missionary, but in Christ, and only in Christ. Should not perish. Men of the old world perished, but Noah was spared. People of Sodom perished, but Lot was spared. The firstborn of Egypt perished, but Rahab was spared. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish eternally in hell, but have heaven their eternal home. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. But have everlasting life. Life is mentioned 36 times in the book of John. The verse begins with God and ends with life. Everlasting life is not just eternal existence because we're all going to have eternal existence. We're either going to spend eternity in heaven 
or we're going to expend eternity in hell. Everlasting life is having Jesus. John 14, 6, he said, I am life. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Bible says life is in the Son, and whosoever has the Son has life. Again, 1 John 5, 12. The Bible says Jesus is the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. 25. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then we also need to remember 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. At Camp Good News we introduce the children to God and their Savior. That even as a child, they can believe in him and what he has done for them. If we, me, you, don't tell these children where God is, who God is, who will? How will they know? The Acts Wednesday night, where was God? 2,000 years ago, God was on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. God created a world full of people, us. The first two people, Adam and Eve, sinned. He had a plan to solve that problem. Wednesday night, people sinned. And we sin every day. But Jesus solved that problem. So that we can share his love with everyone. We don't want to lose or miss out on opportunities of telling our neighbors, our friends, our family... I have unsaved family that I try to share as much and when I can. Jesus was there Wednesday night in the helpers. Those people that put their lives before others to save others. Jesus was in the police officers, the ambulance drivers, Everybody that was there to help. He wasn't not there. But he allows us free will. See, Jesus wants us to come to him on our accord. He could have made us robots. He could have made it so that we just worshipped him because he said so. He wants us to worship him because we want to worship him. But he knew we weren't perfect and we would never be perfect. We wouldn't come close to being perfect. So he sent Jesus to die on a cross 
to take the sins of the world, past, present, now our future. And that one act forgave sin forever. But you have to receive it. It's not enough that he did it. In your heart, you have to believe that he died for your sins. You have to believe that you do things wrong. And if you don't believe it, ask your friend, your wife, your mama. We all do things wrong. None of us are perfect. Believe that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you can be forgiven. And if you are living in sin, turn away from it. Jesus will help you. You won't do it on your own. I've tried. Been there. It's not going to work. Let Jesus work in your life. Let Jesus help you with your sins. And then give him your life. But it's as simple as just believing that Jesus died for your sins. He paid the price. You don't have to. Father, we just thank you, Lord, this morning. Lord, I pray for the families from Wednesday night, Lord. I pray for the families that lost loved ones. Lord, I pray for the families of, of those that were there, uh, that survived, Lord, but just the, the thoughts going through their head, the pictures, uh, the memories, Lord. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that they will seek and that they will get the help that they are going to need. Lord, I pray for the children that were there. Lord, I pray for those that speak with those children. Give them the guidance and the wisdom, Lord, that only comes from you on how to handle something like this. Lord, I pray for the Card family as they, have, they, they know what their son, what their brother did. Lord, I pray for his son as he goes through life, Lord. Lord, help them all to get the help that they need. Lord, I pray that they would turn their life to you if they don't know you. Lord, that they would come to you and that they would give you their sins, their problems, Lord. And that they would look to you for help in solving them. Lord, be with the first responders as the scenes that they walked into, Lord. Help them, Lord, to seek again, Lord. Seek out help. We are not put on this world to handle this type of stuff alone. That's why we have each other. Help us to rely on each other, Lord, but help us to rely on you and the people that you put into our path. Lord, as we leave today, go with us, Lord, and help us to be that glimmer of hope to our community to our, the people around us. Help us to show the love that you have shown us each day, that when we make mistakes, Lord, you are still right there to forgive us. Help us to go and do the same. Lord, help us 
to share and to show your love. We pray this in your name. Amen.